Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. My friend Nick asked me a question about the Civil War football games. He said, of the hundred or so Civil War games that I haven't covered, if I could hop in a time machine and go back and watch just one of those games, where would I go back? Which game would I watch? That is a great question. I am uh, super interested in uh, that one. Gosh, I, I think I'd go back. I think I would go back almost to the uh, you know in the early early days of this rivalry. 1894 was the first game. I don't know if I want to see that game. I don't know if I have the stomach to see 1894 football. <laughs> I've seen some of that 1894 football here and there over the years. The problem was it wasn't in 1894. Um, that's a really good question. I'm going to mull on that, and I will revisit that. In the meantime, we've got the guy who covers Oregon State. Nick Daschle does a terrific job covering the Beavers. He was at Reeser Stadium uh, just a few feet away from me on Saturday night as we looked through the glass windows of the press box on the new side, the west side of Reeser Stadium, down at the field. We could see the rain coming down and down and dumping on the field. Dashiell joining us now. Uh, i got to ask you, Nick, like, I, I thought, I, I really think Oregon State has got to be kicking itself. What play what series what decision do you think kept jonathan smith up on saturday night i think well i think the draw i think that the the punt drive is the one that and it's not a decision it's just it's just the way it worked out that that drive where the the ball went over the center's head whatever the yeah. punter's head for the safety well, two plays before that, DJ had, had just trucked a couple of guys and ran for a first down. The ball got inside, I think, Washington's 40. And they were, I mean, they were rolling at that point. They, they had just scored a touchdown on the previous drive. They were moving the ball again. and But on that play, Jake Levin got, got called for holding, and it went from a first down inside, you know, pretty good position to third and 16, and, and then you know all hell broke loose, and it was a it was a safety, and then a touchdown for Washington, and and that that's kind of where the game sort of was lost. Well, there's two places I thought it was lost. That was one. The other one I thought was lost. I I, I don't you, I, you may not have read what I wrote yesterday, but um, in the second half, on first down, it was a killer for them. They had 15 first down plays yesterday in the second half. And eleven were running plays. Those eleven plays netted four yards. <laughs> they were behind the sticks a lot in the second half. It was a miracle that they got as much as they got out of that because of those first down plays on when they ran the ball. Do you think Washington had made an adjustment? They were running a five man front in the first half and Damian Martinez was killing them. That looked like they made a little bit of a schematic adjustment. Was it just that Oregon State didn't adjust to that, or maybe they should have been? You know, I guess Washington was just saying, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us throwing the football, and I, I don't think that's a bad strategy. Yeah, and then Jonathan did say, he goes, you know, it really was. Things did play out 
pretty well for them in terms of, you know, they kept, uh, you know, Penix off the field in the second half, and it was just, it was just those drives. It, it, it was just the fact that instead of getting second and four, where you, you can get five, six yards on a first down run, and then maybe you could take a shot downfield. Instead, they were trying to keep, keep throwing, you know, ten to fifteen yard passes to keep drives alive, and so that's that's where they they just couldn't couldn't get it going. But I don't know. They didn't. Adjust. I mean, Washington's got. I mean, they got good players on that side of the ball too. It, it's not like that's a bad defense. So, but they yeah. made some adjustments. I'm not sure Oregon State completely adjusted to, to that. The Civil War game will come rapidly. It's a Friday game. We've got Jonathan on the show tomorrow to talk about the game. But give us an idea of the 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 psychological bounce back. What is Oregon State playing for on Friday? Yeah, I asked Jonathan that today about you know now they lost some stakes to this game you know by losing to Washington they don't you know they can't obviously get to the Pac-12 championship game anymore. There's you know no chance for New York's New Year's Six Bowl or anything like that. Um, but I mean, this would be the biggest win of the Jonathan Smith era if they were to win win Friday. I mean, that alone should be you know pretty good stakes right there to be able to beat a team that seems like it's on its way to the college football playoff. So you know he, he you know he said this team's mature enough that the, you know they they could withstand that that sort of stuff. That you know the stakes the the, the stakes that may not be there anymore aren't going to matter. They're they're this game has got plenty of juice to it as it is. DJ Uyangalele, um, you know, mixed bag for him, I thought, on Saturday. There were some moments where he had wonderful moments, especially running the ball. But it did strike me, Nick, that he doesn't have the touch of a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix. And, and, I, and I wonder where his ceiling is. Uh, did you get a sense from DJ at all? Is he coming back next year? Is he still up in the air about it? You know, he's got a year of eligibility, but what is DJ going to do? I pulled him off the side last week and asked him, you know, because I said, I don't think anybody's even asked you, are you are you coming back next year? Have you made that decision? And, and he was, you know, he's definitely of the mind that I want to wait till the bowl game, see what, see what the, uh, the, you know, the NFL people say, they'll make a decision with the family and, 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 you know, this tight circle at that point. I mean, I, I think that Jonathan and, and DJ are going to have to have a long conversation about it because Aiden Giles just feels like he's, he's just sitting there ready, ready to start the 2024 season. And, and I don't know where that leaves DJ. I mean, it, do they say do you come back and you know well, the you know the starting job's wide open and best man win or or I don't know um, my my hunch is he won't be back um, Aiden Childs is just going to prove to be too big of a you know I don't want to say a hurdle but he's just a guy that you know if you got him on your roster. He's not a player Oregon State's ever had at that position, and you, you sure want to see what you what you can get out of out of Aiden Childs if you think he's ready to go. And by all accounts, I I think they think he's going to be ready to go next season. Oregon will tout itself as being balanced. Oregon State is running the football well. 
plays really good defense, opportunistic. Where is the advantage on Friday for the Beavers as they head to this rivalry game? Hmm. Uh, special teams, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the kicker. I mean, the I, you know, Oregon State's defense. It, when it's when it's intact, it's pretty good. I just don't know how intact it's going to be because they did lose some guys Saturday. I don't know if Keely Arnold. You know, he's questionable, and Noble Thomas, and um, you know, he's he didn't play last week, and they played a lot of they played a lot of freshmen in the secondary yesterday Saturday against Panic. So, I mean, and getting that, I mean, that bodes well for the future. I think the way. You know they they defended him and still had all those those freshmen back there. But I, I mean I think I think they could give. I don't know how they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna attack Knicks because I think they gotta attack him a little differently than they did Penix because the, the the you know the strategy was they were gonna rush four and 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 kind of surround him and 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 cover guys and, and not sack sack him so much. I haven't seen enough of Nick's to know exactly how he's a lot different than, than Penix, but my sense is they're going to try something a little different, maybe put a little bit more pressure on it because they were among the top, I think they were in the top five in sacks, I think, going into the Washington game. I mean, that's that's one of their strengths is to get to the quarterback, and so they didn't really get to Penix, so I, I would assume they're going to try to put a little bit more heat on, on Nick's this week. The thing with Oregon is I think you have to really, you really need to recognize that, you know, people talk about Knicks, but I think the offense starts with Bucky Irving. And so I think Oregon's run, Oregon State's run defense will be uh, vital to uh, trying to turn Oregon into a one-dimensional team. We're talking to Nick Daschle. He covers Oregon State. Uh, Daschle, you know, we've been, you and I have been bantering about, and you know, I've, I've written about the fact that Oregon is trying to get out of its game with Boise State on September 14th. Looks like there's some momentum and discussions happening about continuing the Civil War series. Uh, Washington Washington State announcing a five-year deal. They're going to play the Apple Cup. Um, give me an idea. How receptive is Oregon State to the idea of playing Oregon? And what do we do with these people who are going, no, I don't want to see this game? I don't think pe- some people quite understand the value of it. Yeah, good luck getting a, good luck getting a Power 4 team to come to Corvallis. I mean, it's just. I mean, you can you can not like Oregon. I get that. I mean, for Oregon State people, it's easy not to like Oregon right now. But the fact is, they they kind of need Oregon on the schedule for you know exposure, for money, for TV, for a, a number of things. And Oregon's the easiest solution to get a, a big name opponent to come to Research Stadium. I mean. If your home schedule is full of Boise State and Fresno State and 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 the UNLV and you know the occasional Power Five, I mean that's not a that's not a season ticket that's going to be as attractive if you can get an Oregon to come every couple of years and and some of these other schools. So uh, you got to look big picture to see. You can't look at it just like ah oh, screw Oregon. They you know they 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 did us dirty and you know we we can't. We we can't be a part of them anymore. Well, it's, it just doesn't work that way in college football. If you want to stay relevant, you got to play relevant teams. And 
like it or not, Oregon's relevant. So Oregon State's got to find a way to to get them on the schedule, get them in the Corvallis. I think I agree with that. I think, and I think it will happen. It looks to me like it really hinges on Boise State and trying to make that uh, a reality for September 14th. And I'm being told that Boise State just wants a promise that Oregon's going to come to Boise, even if it's in 2029 or 2030, or they would like to see a big check, uh, you know, written. And I think Oregon will probably opt to go to Boise and make that happen in the end. Um, you know, the the Pac-2 schedule. What they're going to do in 2024, Jonathan Smith's future, all of that's going to happen really fast after Thanksgiving and, and a Civil War game. Dashiell, do you have a sense on Jonathan Smith and where his head is as it pertains to the conversations he's having with his players, the reports out there that you know he, he might be interested in other jobs or other jobs are interested in him? I think you and I kind of see that the same, but give me an idea of where you think Jonathan's mind is right now. Well, I'm just going to say uh, I, I'm. it's just informed speculation because, I mean, you and I both know. We think we know what these coaches are thinking, but we really don't know. I mean, we just don't. And it, 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 I, my, my gut feeling is he really would like to stay in Corvallis if, 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 they, if they feel like they can put a competitive team on the field. Because I, he, he loves Corvallis. The family's comfortable there. Jonathan isn't. He's not one of these guys that wants to be doing media every day and and and, and living in the spotlight. That's just not. That's just not Jonathan Smith. But I don't think he's. I mean, he's, to say he's not driven by money. I mean, we all are driven by money to some degree. But I don't think he's out there looking for. Whoa! I can get ten million dollars if I go to. You know, Texas A&M. Or, I mean, he's making good money in Corvallis, Oregon, and I, I think he's pretty comfortable with that. So, could could I could I see him leaving? Sure, but I think if he's presented with a with a situation that makes him think he can hang on to most of his coaches and he can and he can bring good players to Corvallis, I think he's staying. But I mean, again, that's just speculation because I haven't been able to pin him down on on anything specific. Let's throw let me just spitball this with you because if they continue to fund like they're a power five, that means he can retain his assistance and he'll get paid well. And if the NIL collective, that's another thing, if they can step up and help retain players, I think you can sell players on the idea, hey, we're gonna play Oregon. We're gonna play another power four school that, you know, is gonna be out there in the schedule. We're going to play Purdue. They're going to have a six-game schedule against the Mountain West, which they should do very well in. There's a real possibility that Oregon State could be sitting in a year with one loss or undefeated and have a shot at getting into the college football playoff, the expanded playoff at, with one of the at-large berths. And to me, that feels like the best plan for the next two years. You, do you read that as an attractive possibility for Oregon State players, or will they see mass attrition in the portal? I think that's what they're going to try to sell them come Monday. Um, and that's because I asked John, you know, that, that's when they were going to start meeting them was, was on Monday. And um, because of the way the recruiting calendar works out, that apparently they, they, they can't leave, they can't leave campus until I think it's Friday or something like that. But anyway, so they're, to me, the players, that's got to be what they got to sell them because, 
you know, the, the, you're right. I mean, you're right. If, if they can hang on to most of these players and the schedule they can put together, you could see 11 and one coming or tw- even 12 and 0. You know, depending on whether one of the, you know if one of those games they play next year is say like at Utah, that might be a tough one. But but I mean, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> For all this talk of Oregon and Washington, the Big Ten, and everybody else, the Big Twelve. Here's Oregon State waltzing its way into the CFP next year. I mean, that would just be that would be a story. That would be a story. But you, they would have need to hang on to the majority of these players, including you know Damian Martinez and, and Aiden Child, and and and, and they're going to have to rebuild. They're going to have to partially rebuild their offensive line too. So they'll have to be. They'll have to find a way to be you know, active in the transfer portal to, to get to get you know a few offensive linemen. But yeah, I could I, I could see that if they could sell the players on, on 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 this situation. Sure. Do you think the Friday game factors at all in the minds of players as far as do they stay at Oregon State? It, it, does the game factor in the decision? You mean the you mean as opposed to being Saturday or, or no no or, meaning what? meaning if they compete with Oregon or they get blown off the field by Oregon does does Friday's uh, game matter? Yeah, I, I I suppose if they say if they if they see a team that that that, that goes toe to toe with Oregon and and I mean frankly I know they're a fourteen point underdog but I mean don't you could you see this game being pretty close on Saturday? I, you, know, you you watch the USC game. I mean, if USC stays in front of a few receivers on some of those plays, uh, the Trojans might have, might have had a shot to win that game. I, I'm not saying they uh, – I mean, they, they were definitely in it. And, and Oregon State's ever been as good as USC, if not better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a real chance they can hang with them and, and give them a game into the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I would think that's, that's that, that could be a factor. I mean, it also be – you know, I'd like to see what kind of bowl game they're going to end up with, too. I, I kind of like the Holiday Bowls where Oregon State's going to end up either that or the Sun. But, I mean, if they get a good a good bowl game with an attractive opponent and whatnot and have a good time, maybe, I don't know, maybe all that's enough to hang on to most of the roster. But it all starts with Jonathan. It really starts with Jonathan. If they can't hang on to Jonathan, then it's, then it's, then it's, then it's over. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's it's a complete rebuild, and and I should say Jonathan and Jim Mahalchek, and preferably and and Trent Bray. Those three would probably be the the three big ones I would think out of, out of the coaching staff. Not that they're all not important, but I think those guys really really matter. Yeah, and I think we're you know we're all looking at Mahalchek. He's the run coordinator and the offensive line coach at Oregon State, and. You know, I I do think somebody will try to make a run at him at some point, but he seems awfully loyal to Jonathan Smith. That coaching staff has just had very little turnover in his time in Corvallis. Nick Dashiell, I mean, what you yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, nobody's mentioned Trent Bray about going to USC, but I mean, wouldn't that make a ton of sense? I mean, for Lincoln Rally to oh, take yeah. a run at, at Trent Bray. I'm interested in that. Yeah, could be. All right. Nick Dashiell, I appreciate you, man. Thanks, and have a great Thanksgiving. All right. All right. See you. All right. There he goes. Nick Dashiell covers Oregon State.
Great stuff from Dashiell. A lot to think about on the Oregon State side. On tomorrow's show, Jonathan Smith will be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. I want you to make an appointment. On Wednesday, University of Oregon uh, just reached out, told me Dan Lanning will be with us in the 4 o'clock hour on Wednesday. So there we go. We have Jonathan Smith Tuesday, Dan Lanning Wednesday. Uh, Anna's coming on the show. She'll pop into the studio. We have so much to talk about. You got the BF. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.